Hello, everyone. This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today we are on our podcast series entitled The Fruit of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be talking about peace. Peace is something that is definitely valued by everyone who has ever lived, and so many people are searching for peace. And we've got Pastor Chad back in the booth. Pastor Chad, how are you? Doing good. I'm coming off uh, the flu, um, so I'm feeling much better today than I did a couple days ago. Um, but yeah, it's it's been good. Uh, all in all, life is still great, and uh, as we've discussed, still have plenty of joy. <laughs> That's good. And uh, you seem very peaceful. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Uh, yeah, peaceful, tired, however you want to look at it. <laughs> Same thing. Well, hey, before we get into our podcast today, I do want to take a second just to inform you listeners out there that the Nehemiah Project has teamed up with Varsity Wealth, and we are going to be presenting a financial stewardship workshop in May. It's going to be a four-week-long workshop. It'll be held on Monday evenings, May 2nd, May 9th, uh, May 16th, I believe, and May 23rd. It's going to be the mon- the first four Mondays uh, in May. And so if you are interested in learning what the Bible has to say about money, about building wealth in a God-honoring way, about debt, um, and if you're interested in taking all that information and putting it into a, a workable, tangible financial plan that honors God, then you definitely do not want to miss this financial stewardship workshop. Uh, the cost to attend for couples is $299. For individuals, it is $149. If you just want to live stream it directly from your home, the cost to do that is $129. And we have a special opportunity for the Field Church Covenant members. Uh, the price for couples who are covenant members of the Field Church is just $99. Mm-hmm. And if you're an individual who's a member of the church, it's just $49. Um, it's an amazing opportunity uh, to really, really deep dive what the Bible says about money. And mm-hmm. man, I have been so blessed personally just doing yeah. my study for this, but the Bible has a ton to say about money. Right. And you're going to have partnering with Dickie Lyons from Varsity Wealth who mm-hmm. will also be doing a lot of practical work with, yes. with individuals and couples, helping you bring all those great lessons from Scripture into real life. Yes. And one thing I do want to just take a second to point out in particular, is that week number two of our financial stewardship workshop, we are going to just focus on the topic of giving. Mm -hmm. And many of you out there, like myself, probably think that, well, the Bible just tells you you're supposed to give 10% of your income. Mm -hmm. It does not say that anywhere in the entire Bible. (laughs) So we are going to clear up a lot of misconceptions about the tithe um, and specifically uh, about God's heart Mm -hmm. for giving in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So you definitely don't want to miss this workshop. Um, so go to our website, tnproject.org slash money to sign up today. All right, Chad. So let's get into the topic of our podcast today, which is peace. We are going to be reading from Galatians chapter 5, specifically from verse 22. And I will read verses 22 through 24. Here's what Galatians 5, starting at 22, says. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Mm. So we're going to be talking about peace today. Now, the Greek word for peace that is used here is the Greek word irene. And it essentially means that this peace results in an ordered, settled, and undisturbed response to whatever life brings one's way. So very similar to the first two shades of the fruit of the Spirit that we've talked about, love and joy, in that it is uh, found within and it is not determined by one's circumstances. You know, this piece really does convey the sense of an inner rest, uh, an inner well-being, and an inner harmony. And, you know, irony really does sound like an English word that we have, but this is actually the root word for the English word serenity, Mm-hmm. So many people have heard that. I know if you've ever gone to Alcoholics Anonymous, I think it's like the serenity prayer or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but serenity is a very common word and it basically just means to be clear and free of storms or unpleasant change or stressing an unclouded and lofty mm-hmm. tranquility of one's life. And you know, we've all met people like that mm-hmm. that just like have this sort of natural state about them, you know, mm-hmm. whether or not they're believers, there's just people who are generally a lot more like relaxed. Yeah. I'm not one of those people, but <laughs> I have met them. It is something that the world, I think, desires, man desires to find peace, mm-hmm. right? And it's a natural desire. So much so there's all kinds of different methods to meditation, to yoga, to, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Just, you name it. You name it. I'm trying to think of it. There's so many different things, commercials that talk about different ways to find peace. Mm-hmm. This is obviously one of those things where there's a desire within man's heart to find ultimate peace and yeah. rest. It would be interesting to know, Chad, uh, like of all the marketing dollars that are spent in the mm-hmm. world, you know, how many of those dollars are promoting this product to get you to peace? You know, mm-hmm. that, I, I would be willing to bet it's in the hundreds of billions probably. Yeah, yeah. But the peace that the Bible is talking about, guys and girls listening, is a peace that is a result of the state of reconciliation with God, which is realized only when one places their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ through the hearing of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Listen to what Scottish theologian and pastor of the Cambridge Street Secession Church in Glasgow, Scotland says, John 80 says, if grace defines our resources, then peace is the conscious possession of those more than adequate resources. If grace defines our resources, well, then peace is the conscious possession of those more than adequate resources. And this makes sense, right? Like what we said a second ago was this peace is a result of the fact that you're saved, right? You've been reconciled to God. And we're going to talk deeply about this in a bit. Which makes complete logical sense that every human's looking for peace because that's the issue that's broken. Correct. Right? There is no peace with God who created us. Correct. Therefore, we're constantly trying to fill that void. That's why it would make sense that when you are reconciled to God, peace is a result. Right. And we're going to deep dive that in a bit, but I'll just say this up front. You are exactly right, Chad. The reason why everyone, every single person is looking for some measure of peace is because of the sin within them, Mm -hmm. which does create a disturbance of the soul. 
a disturbed conscience, right? Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve were running from the Lord and trying to hide themselves because they felt guilt and shame mm -hmm. for breaking the Lord's commandments. And this is, this is built into every single human being at the time of birth. Mm -hmm. So we all are experiencing some measure of being disturbed, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously there's, you know, people have, some people have it more so than others, it seems. Yeah. But at the end of the day, in the legal sense, we're all guilty, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, in the moral sense, we all have shame, right? Yeah. Because we have broken God's moral law. But this peace that is given to the believer at the time of their salvation is literally beyond human understanding. Read mm -hmm. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 for us, Chad. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. You know, it's so, so when you see believers, right, true believers, and they've got this peace, and that peace is being witnessed by non-believers, they're sitting there scratching their head. They don't understand. They can't mm -hmm. understand. Mm -hmm. It's beyond, it surpasses all understanding. Yeah, because it has nothing to do with circumstantial um, situations. Right. You know, you could have a very unpeaceful circumstance, but have peace because right. the eternal mindset is that there is peace with God, and so the ultimate end will be victory and glory and, yeah. and salvation. Right, correct. And so... This is for sure a divine peace that very much, just like the joy we mentioned, cannot be manufactured on one's own, right? I mean, we can't fake this sort of peace. No. This is that steadfast, sure anchor of the soul that comes from knowing that you are right with God. Mm -hmm. This is that peace. And this word peace, Irene, is used 92 times in 85 verses. And every single time it is used, all 92 times it is translated peace except one time, it is translated undisturbed. And I have already mentioned kind of how sin creates this disturbance of the soul, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it fractures the, the well-being of the soul. So the picture of irony is the exact opposite. You know, it can really be reflected in our modern expression, quote, you know, having it all together, mm -hmm. right? Everything is, is, is bound together. Everything is in place as it ought to be, right? When sin is in the, in the picture, things are disjointed. There's a lack of harmony and well-being. Mm -hmm. But when we have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, yeah. well, then everything's held all together. Yeah, you think about that. It's not even, you know, a lot of times when people think of that, what you're saying is sin that's known. But how many people have unknown sin, meaning mm -hmm. like hidden sin, yeah. that they're trying to put on a front, trying to make it look like they got it all together and the rat race that that is internally, mm. right? How that yeah. just eats away at one constantly inside. Like there's no peace in that either. Right. So it's not just the, the lack of peace that um, known sin does, like when you outwardly sin and it breaks relationships or, or you have consequences, mm -hmm. you know, but even the hidden sin, how it eats away at the heart, at the soul, the guilt, the shame, the the continual having to mask insecurities and pride or, you know, secret sin, and, and right. it's exhausting. Yeah, listen to the words of King David in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. He says, mm -hmm. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Mm -hmm. 
For night and day your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So notice, I mean, he says, for night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. Mm-hmm. That's conviction right mm-hmm. there. And he's suppressing that conviction. Right. You know, the only cure to conviction is confession. Mm-hmm. I see this a lot um, with guys and girls, but um, my experience more with men who mm-hmm. struggle with pornography. Yeah. And it's hidden and they've been doing it and they know it's wrong, but kind of addicted to it and just the the shame and the guilt and the turmoil that yeah. that it produces. And if it's not dealt with, it'll begin to sear the conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reading a really great book right now, just simply titled titled Temptation and Sin mm-hmm. uh, by John Owen. And um, he's talking about mortifying your sin, you know, from Romans 8, where Paul tells yeah. us to do that. Um, and one of the things that he, he brings up over and over again is that sin's desire is to kill you. Yeah. And it has a strong desire for that. You know, yeah. like uh, the Lord said to Cain in, in Genesis 4, 7, right? Its desire is to rule over you, but you, you must master it. We have to confess our sin or else it will totally envelop our soul, right? Yeah. I mean, we have to fight it in the power of the Spirit of God, right? Not according to the world's ways, not according to self-help ways, not just diverting it from, you know, for example, say pornography to I'm going to go start working out tremendously. You know, we can't just divert our sin. We have mm-hmm. to cut it off at the root, right. you know? And and if we don't do that, we will not experience this peace that we're talking about. Yeah, we, right. we cannot experience this peace. And it's safe to say that mankind has not had peace in general for most of our existence. Listen to this. This is amazing. Uh, This is just a comment from the website preceptaustin.org. It says, since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. Mm -hmm. In its study, the periodical discovered that of the 3,530 years of recorded history, only 200 86 years saw peace. Moreover, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties were made and were broken. Mm. And the most important of all those were, were the covenant in the Garden of Eden, Yeah, right? That was the first one, and it was broken. So mm. every, not all of them, right? But pretty much all of them, right? Yeah. Uh, what, 92% of them after that were broken, right? Because we only right. experienced, according to this, peace 8% of our recorded history mm-hmm. that's amazing yeah it's astounding right war wars can really be it's safe to say that war has characterized mankind's existence oh yeah it's it's always been a part of existence and the biggest war or the most um i guess costly war of all of them is the war with god mm-hmm. i mean that that is definitely a phrase being at war with god that accurately describes man's relationship with the Almighty God prior to a man's salvation or a woman's salvation. What does Romans chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 say, Chad? So since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be, shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. I love how you see, you know, the peace that comes from reconciliation producing mm-hmm. joy, right? right? You see all these fruits sort of uh, erupting. Yeah, we see that played out in everyday life when you 
sin against someone or you get in an argument or a fight with a friend or a spouse and you come and just confess your sin, ask for forgiveness, and you forgive one another, like how much peace yeah. there is and so true. joy in that reconciliation. Well, take that little microcosm and blow it up yeah. a thousandfold, you know, more than that, a millionfold, and that's the peace with God that we get to experience through the reconciliation of Christ. Right. You know, peace with God refers specifically to the peace of salvation wherein, you know, the barriers like man's sin and God's holiness, Mm -hmm. which separates man from God, those barriers are removed through faith in God's gracious work that's been accomplished in Christ. Ephesians 2, 13 through 14 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says that the Savior is the Prince of Peace. So this Prince of Peace, who is Jesus, the Son of God, he himself is the peace treaty between God and man. And guess what, Chad? That peace treaty cannot be broken. That's right. It cannot be broken. It's because God is the one who keeps the covenant. Amen. We, If it was based on us to keep it, we would have already broken it. We approve that. That's called grace. Right. There's a there is a <laughs> objective record in the Bible and also what I just read to you. Yeah. We have we will break that ninety two percent of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm just saying just between our, man and man. I'm saying in our everyday life yeah. with God, we sin every day. Yes. So if it was based on us being sinless to keep the peace tree between us and God, right, then we would we'd already have broken it day one of salvation. So let's just look at those two categories. Peace between God and man will be broken 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Peace between man and man will be broken at least 92% of the mm-hmm. time. So <laughs> we have an overwhelmingly horrible record right. at keeping peace. <laughs> Which makes sense why God had to send his own son, Jesus, yes. to be the one who lives a life for us, dies on the cross, is resurrected. So the covenant between us and God can be kept based upon the person of Jesus Christ, not us. Like, like self-help. Won't work. No. Trying to be a moral person won't work. Right. It, there's just no hope. Right. <laughs> it's laughable. I know, apart from Christ. It's yeah. laughable, but it's very sad at the same time, you know, because right. we're not talking about like things of small consequence. Well, we can laugh about it because that peace is offered to everyone. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not as if um, we're laughing as someone who's like in this insider club that we were special in terms of. No one else gets to have it. It's Christ died so that anyone who would hear the gospel would have the opportunity to repent and believe. Now, not everyone will. Right. But it's not, it's inclusive. It's exclusive, but inclusive. Right. right. There's one way. There's one narrow path. Jesus came to show us that way. And everyone who would believe gets to go through that way. Mm. But the problem is, the sin of man, the pride of man's heart is to reject the holy God in the first place. Yeah. That's the issue. Hey everyone, it's Mike here. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. Chad and I get on here every single week simply to educate and encourage all of you listeners out there. We want to educate you in what the Bible actually says, and we want to encourage you in the truth of the scriptures. If you are interested in our biblical counseling process and all the other things that we are doing here at the Nehemiah Project, I would encourage you to visit our website, tnproject.org. It's there you're gonna find all of our different services. You're gonna see what we're all about and you're gonna really get to know us. And we would ask you to consider becoming a financial donor to this ministry. 
You know, it's our donors that really allow this ministry to grow and to thrive. We have a large percentage of clients who need financial assistance with their services. And because we don't take health insurance, we depend wholly upon the kindness and generosity of donors just like yourself. So we'd encourage you to check out our donation page at tnproject.org slash donate and help us replace hopelessness with hope. Now let's get back to the podcast. Well, let's move on to discuss six of these results that stem from the reconciliation um, that creates this peace between you know God and mm-hmm. mankind. So the first one that we'll look at today is the is what we'll call the peace of fellowship or the peace of a conscience void of offense. This is the personal peace which God gives to the individual through fellowship with the Lord or through walking in concord with God with all known sin confessed and turned over to God's grace. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that already. Yeah. But what does 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 say about this? The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. All right, so like I mentioned, we did talk about how necessary confession is, mm-hmm. but specifically what First Timothy's talking about is that in the aim of our ministerial pursuits, like you know, preaching, discipleship, evangelism, those sorts of things, yeah. right? We should always be aiming to have a sincere love that can only come from a good conscience and a sincere faith. So the question is, well, how does one get a clean conscience, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's a continual confession of sin, right? First mm-hmm. um, John one nine and First uh, John three twenty one tells us if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then chapter three twenty one says, "Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have." We we have confidence before God. Yeah. So the the life of a Christian is one of continual confession of sin, mm-hmm. and we do that in the parental sense. Mm-hmm. You know. So when you're when you truly come into a, a relationship with Christ for the first time, you're justified in the legal sense, right? That's mm-hmm. and that's one and done. Mm-hmm. But sanctification requires a continual. Uh, acknowledgement of sin, confessing sin and repenting and growing in the likeness of Christ mm-hmm. in in terms of the parental sense to keep your relationship with your heavenly father pure and close and mm-hmm. your conscience clean so that you can um, love him well, be like Christ and serve mm-hmm. him in a in a, a genuine way. Yeah, there's that parental sense. Yeah. Um, there's also that marital sense, right, mm-hmm. between the bride and the bridegroom, mm-hmm. right? The, you are believer a part of christ's bride right, right? and so the body that's why you know if you think about the old testament and all the different ways that the prophets speak about the, the people of god you know one of the ways is mm-hmm. you undul- you adulterous people mm-hmm. right i mean you are literally committing adultery against your husband right mm-hmm. um so there's that sense as well yeah um you know i think a really this is a good opportunity just to just to talk about how we've already talked about the different shades of love mm-hmm. right in the, in the first podcast series that we did here um and all of those are manifest in the believer's relationship to their lord right you know the the love that you mentioned uh, the the love between a father and the son right yeah, the stergo right mm-hmm. the authoritative love right the, the, that love has a subject right mm-hmm. And, and all of the other ones that we mentioned, they're all manifest in this. But in order to keep a clean and good conscience and a sincere faith, we do have to practice confession, right? And I love the promise that you read, Chad. 
if we confess our sins, Mm -hmm. he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, right? right? Now, that word just is so important. Like, God has to forgive if we do that. That's not a sign of like, you know, us like strong, strong arming God. He put himself in that position by putting forth the only acceptable sacrifice. And because God is just, and because he has provided the sacrifice and the sacrifice, namely Christ, has been accepted, God is just to honor his covenant. You see what I'm saying? Like he will do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why that word just is there. That's a, I mean, I love that part of that, that promise, you know, that's, that's just like, it doesn't get any more solid than that, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. God cannot break the contract. He cannot break the peace treaty. Yeah. Nor will he. That's such a hopeful statement too. It is. Now, all of this, you know, confession and all that, this is not necessarily like easy to do. Just so you know, Mm -hmm. it does get easier but especially yeah. as a baby Christian, mm-hmm. like we're, we still have so many false beliefs in our mind because oh, yeah. our mind hasn't been renewed. Like we don't understand when it says just, like what I just explained. Mm-hmm. We don't understand that whole aspect in that statement right and there. And deep-rooted habitual sin. Correct. That as, as we continue to grow in the word of God and put off the old or renew our mind and what's true and put on the new, um, a lot of that gets uprooted and, and new biblical God honoring habits start to form, so so your regularity of life will be a little bit more pure. Mm-hmm. Although we we'll still have sin, mm-hmm. you know, always. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It's a it's a it's one of those things. Like <clears throat> I like to use. You'll like this. I always like to use the analogy of the physical body of working mm-hmm. out. Yeah. When you first start, you're brand new to the gym, and you haven't spent any time really working out hard. Man, it's hard for quite a little while. It's hard and it hurts <laughs> for a while, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, but as the muscles grow and the body gets in better shape, mm-hmm. it becomes not as hard. Although mm-hmm. it's always hard, but then it also becomes enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You start to look forward to it. Enjoy you, the benefits of it. You enjoy the benefits of it. You feel better. Yeah. And so now, you know, you and I who work out regularly, like neither one of us, I don't want to miss the gym. Yeah part of my lifestyle. Yeah, I love it. And confession becomes part of your lifestyle. Exactly. Yeah. And so just listen to the words that Paul uses in Acts 24, 16, when he's talking about the difficulty of keeping a clear conscience. He says this, so I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a man who, his record speaks for itself. When yeah. he says he took pains, I mean, he physically did. Yeah. You know, he suffered for the gospel's sake. Mm-hmm. And in order for him to even suffer for the gospel's sake, you know, publicly, mm-hmm. he had to suffer internally, yeah. right? With that confession of sin, with really, really gr- like struggling with this notion of has God truly forgiven me in Christ? Because Paul, mm-hmm. I used to be a murderer of Christians. Right. You talk I mean, about shame. Gosh, I mean, you talk about some serious sin. When he when he first had to start coming around the apostles and stuff, they were afraid of him. They, yeah, they didn't trust him. You talk about having to fight through and fight through pride and be super humble and yeah be like man i did that i did that and i mean he, he so paul was such a great example yeah i mean the lord really obviously knew what he was doing when he chose paul right mm-hmm. to be the the 13th apostle to take the gospel to the gentiles right i mean paul was an amazing man and, and i would recommend listener that you take some time to study paul's life mm-hmm. if you want to look at what a faithful life is you really want to understand that apart yeah. from like Christ obviously being the perfect example like Paul 
was an imperfect example, but one of the best that we have, mm. right? Paul, Paul's life was simply amazing. So that finishes off the first point that we want to make, the peace of a conscience void of offense or the peace of fellowship. So let's move on to the next one. This one is the peace of assurance or otherwise known as just the peace of God, mm. right? This is the peace or rest of soul that comes from being confident of God's supply and that God is in control of all the affairs of life. Yeah, This is the peace that settles our nerves, that fills our minds, and that allows us to relax even in the midst of the uproar around us. Mm. Again, Philippians chapter four, verses six through nine. What does that say, Chad? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, and here's the most important point, with thanksgiving, mm. let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Wow. And I love when he puts that word thanksgiving because that calls our minds to thinking about the attributes and the truths about God. Mm. That's what brings about peace is God's character and mm. God's provision and God's work and God's hand in your life. And 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 the call to do not be anxious is a command mm. because anxiety is rooted in a heart of fear. Mm. And we're called to not fear, not because there are not things to fear, but to fear God over the things of this world, mm. right? And so when, and then he follows that up with renewing the mind again, whatever's true, whatever's honorable. And so peace comes from a right belief, faith, and understanding of who God is based upon the truths of Scripture. Mm, that's so good. You know, I, I was uh, walking on the uh, by the lakefront um, last weekend with my wife and my daughter, mm -hmm. and uh, it was early morning, and there was a guy who was just yelling. He was just mm -hmm. yelling like, expletives and talking about murder. He was he was singing a song, right? Mm -hmm. he, he had headphones on and he was just cussing up a storm and and as we, you know, he, he was walking towards us. He didn't look like he was coming for us, but he was just walking along the, the lakefront just singing gangster rap or murder mm -hmm. rap or something like that. And obviously as a dad, you know, my, all my red flags are going off. I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay, uh, like no. I'm going to take this guy out if he even makes a step towards me and my, my family. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was like the immediate response. But then I started to think like more deeply about it as he was getting closer to us. I'm like, gosh, man, this guy is filling his mind yeah, which is with pure evil, hatred. just unadulterated hatred and mm -hmm. evil, talking about how I'm going to murder this and do this and do that. And he's a younger guy. Yeah. And I, my heart started to break for this guy. Obviously, I was still on very high alert because mm -hmm. I don't know what this guy was going to do. I mean, we know very well, Chad, that the spiritual mm -hmm. realm is alive and well. Yeah. And I don't know what this guy's about to do, but obviously nothing happened. Mm -hmm. But he just kept going on about his day. And like I could hear him for a long time. And my heart started to break for this guy because, you know, his mind is not at ease. His mm -hmm. heart is not at rest. He has no real peace. Right. He's totally lost. And he he's glorifying pure evil. Yeah. And he's he's literally probably on his way to the penitentiary. I mean, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Yeah. Here's what this guy's talking about. Murder. Okay. That's what you go to the penitentiary for. Yeah. And you know, Psalm 119, 165 says this: Great peace have those who love your law. 
nothing can make them stumble. Mm. You know, and that guy, I got my heart goes out to him. You know, I got to pray for him because yeah. he does not have what the Bible promises those who love the law of God. Mm. And he clearly does not have that. You know, Proverbs 3, 17 says of wisdom, her ways are ways of pleasantness mm -hmm. and all her paths are peace, right? It's been said throughout the ages by Christians that, you know, peace rules the day when Christ rules the mind. Yeah. And that guy, again, my heart goes out to him. Christ does not rule his mind. Yeah, and, and you see he's displaying the angst of the sin in his life. Mm -hmm. The reason why people are drawn to that type of music, for instance, is because it's satisfying this mm. unmet desire within. Yeah, you know this, this inner war, this inner war, and this kind of shaking the fist at the sky. That's literally what he's doing. Yeah, literally type of idea. Yeah, and it's it's really sad, but you know what? By the grace of God, go I. I was no different. Yeah, I may not have been blaring that stuff out of my car, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. I was oh, still yeah. glorifying the oh, things yeah. that lead to death. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So by the grace of God, go those who are in the Lord and. Peace rules the day when Christ rules the mind. So let's move on now to the next manifestation here that we're talking about, the peace of harmony or the peace with others. This is the peace of unity and oneness in the body of Christ. It is oneness of mind and of purpose. Paul, the apostle, exhorts the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, when he says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, now, John MacArthur comments on this verse. He says this, This is the Spirit-bestowed oneness on all true believers that has created the bond of peace. It is the spiritual cord that surrounds and binds God's holy people together. The reality is that amongst the people of Christ, because we have His Spirit dwelling within us, we have that bond of peace. As 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Mm -hmm. And so if we're one spirit with him, Chad, yeah. that means that we're going to be like him, mm -hmm. right? I think it says in 1 John that if, if anyone says that he is of Christ, let him walk in the light as he mm -hmm. is in the light, right? We're mm -hmm. going to share his attributes. We're going to yeah. share his, his, his character. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, one of the guys that was part of Campus Outreach when I first came to Christ. Um, he wasn't discipling me directly, but... Um, he was discipling one of my friends and he had this analogy that made so much sense. He said, you know, when you come to a relationship with Christ and we understand biblically, the Holy spirit comes within God himself lives within us. Mm. If, if take that analogy, if I were to go into your body at first, you would still probably still kind of act and talk like Mike, even though you would feel different. Mm. But over time, as you continued to give yourself over to me, right? Just like mm -hmm. we do with the Lord and the scriptures renewing our mind. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you'd start to say some things like I would say. Mm -hmm. You would. I'm laughing because yeah, all the things you say. <laughs> I know. The mannerisms would start to. Right, right. And over time you would become and you would look more and more like me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's a, a half-hearted analogy to try to help us understand like if the spirit of god is living within you mm. you will look like the spirit of god lives within you right right you will start to say and do and act as the lord would act as yes. jesus himself acted never perfectly obviously we're, right. we're never going to be perfect but we will be a 
a, a footprint or a fingerprint of of the of Christ right. of our King. Yeah, and, and this all goes back to our original purpose of why we were created in the first place. Mm-hmm. We were created to glorify God and to be His image bearers in the world. We mm-hmm. didn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. We still don't do that. So Christ came to redeem that, right? Mm-hmm. He was the image of God, right? He did it perfectly. He right. reflected the Father, right? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? Yeah. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father's words. I mean, yeah. like he looked, acted, sounded like, reflected God the Father, right? right? And so it, that analogy makes perfect sense, right? Yeah. It's exactly what the Lord taught. Even when he said, a sower went out to sow a seed, right? The seed yeah. is the word of God. And when it plants in the good soil, right, it produces 30, 60, 100 fold, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, you are, if you are a God tree, you will produce Holy Spirit fruit. Yeah. If you are not, you will not produce Holy Spirit fruit. So that's the purpose of our entire podcast series is to show you what that looks like, Yeah. right? So let's move on to the next piece. It is the piece of orderliness. Uh, This is the peace or tranquility that we experience when we do things decently and in order. Mm. What does 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 33 and verse 40 say? For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Speaking on the church meeting, all things should be done decently and in order. Right, so Paul is just telling us about who God is, mm-hmm. right? He's not a God of confusion. Right. He's a God of peace. And when he's exhorting the church of Corinth, right, at the church, mm-hmm. they're talking about the church's uh, gathering, he says, when you gather, all things need to be done decently and in order, mm-hmm. right? And the context there, he's talking about some of the, the more uh, exuberant things that the church of Corinth was involved in, but he's telling you, well, that does not reflect the glory of God. Mm-hmm. That's not how God is. God yeah. is... And we can see this in nature. I mean, we can see just the beautiful symmetry and creativity mm-hmm. and all of these things that seem so chaotic, but they all work in this beautiful harmony. I mean, mm-hmm. if you do any reading about the universe, it's just like this masterful, it's hard to describe right. it. This everything, if, it, if the earth was even moved like a couple of feet to the left, like everything would be thrown off. It's yeah. this beautiful harmony of God's creative majesty. Right. Well, that's because God is a God of order, peace, and majesty. Right. And what hurts environments, what messes up the ecosystem is when people don't do what we're called to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, we start trying to act like God. Exactly. Right? We start intervening. And right? when you start doing that, it starts messing everything up. You know, we can see this in economics, right? I love right. economics, right. right? I'm a big free market guy, and I know that I'm probably going to, just saying that's probably going to make someone mad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. look, I mean, not, I'm not saying free markets are perfect. But the God who created people is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. And if we put the economic principles that God has ordained into practice, man, there's this beautiful harmony that starts to come in this economy, right? Mm-hmm. The free market allocates resources efficiently and effectively, and profits begin to be used in an efficient, effective way if, caveat, we are doing things the way God has ordained and designed, mm-hmm. right? Right. Which Problem. is, by the way, all in his word. And problem is the heart of man is sinful and Correct. so that usually messes it up. Right. Greed totally messes that up, right? <laughs> right. We got mankind intervenes yeah. on God's perfect creation and starts to change things. Yeah. Right. Instead of me willingly giving my money away to invest in spiritual kingdom-based organizations, which would further the expansion of the gospel. I'm more concerned with building my own kingdom, yeah. right? Which doesn't get the gospel message out, right? Which yeah. just increases my own standard of living. So the reason why I'm bringing all that up 
is because the God who created these economic laws knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he's done it in an orderly way that promotes not confusion or chaos, but peace, order, and tranquility within Mm -hmm. an economic society. And we see that order in every area from relationships to government to everything Everything. in, in Scripture. Yeah. God's told us what to do. And we would do well to know what he says and do it. (laughs) So the next piece that we're going to talk about is a, speaking of governments, the piece of the state or public peace, Mm -hmm. right? Now, this is really, really important stuff. This is the piece of righteous rule that comes through good rulers or governments acting in accord with the principles of the word and through a strong nucleus of godly citizens who apply and live by the truth of scripture. You know, Chad, Mm. uh, at the Constitutional Convention of 1787, when they, when all of the delegates were finished with creating the Constitution, one guy asked Benjamin Franklin, what is it that you guys have created? He said, a republic, if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. The founding fathers knew this principle very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, They knew that in order for American system of government to actually work, right. it is dependent on a moral society, mm-hmm. which now we're seeing an unraveling of that. Right. And it's not because of the politicians necessarily. It's because the people have abandoned God at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, politicians tend to just pander to what people want. Well, they're representatives of the people in our system, right? Right. So that's what it is. And we see actually a really great example of this reality in Isaiah chapter 1, mm. verses 21 through 26. It's a longer one, and it's a little bit harsh, so get ready. Mm. But, Chad, what does that say? How the faithful city has become a whore, <laughs> she who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross, your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. Therefore the Lord declares the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will give relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lye and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Wow. Proverbs says somewhere that righteousness Mm -hmm. exalts a people, right? Mm -hmm. Righteousness exalts a people, right? right? And here you see how they have went away from um, what God had set up in the beginning. That's right. That's right. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, gives us really the New Testament um, expose. Mm. I don't know if that's the right word, <laughs> but it, it, it's basically the New Testament teaching on what government is and what how mm. it's been instituted by God and, and what its purpose is. Yeah. And so, Chad, why don't you go ahead and read that for us? Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Now, when it says he is a servant of God, 
this is not talking about the same, it's not in the same sense that like Chad's a pastor or mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're the guy who preaches on Sunday at your church is a servant of God. Right. What, what this is referring to actually has to do with the piece of orderliness. You know, government has been ordained by God and its authority is derived from God. Mm-hmm. It's not inherent in the institution of government. It's actually been given to the institution of government. But why it's important and how it is the servant of God is that it is meant to keep order amongst a society. Mm -hmm. That's what it's meant to do. He says, verse three, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval, right? It's like the reason government's there is to keep you in check, right? basically. (laughs) That's really why it's there. It's not there to provide all these services. It's there to keep order in society, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so some of those services can help that along, but Really, it's there to keep you in check and to keep behavior amongst a society God-honoring, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, this is the last thing I'll say on it, not everyone in government is a Christian, right? No. That, 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 but that doesn't matter. God's not saying, uh, make sure that you're only in subject to the governing authorities if they're Christians. Mm-hmm. He says, no, respect the institution, right? And, and realize that Paul's writing this during a time of Ooh. persecution from the government. Well, to the max. Yeah, so... It's not like it was a good government that he's writing this about. Yeah, I mean, the American experiment has been the probably the best example of a government ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it's squeaky clean, believe me, but it's the it's the cleanest dirty shirt in a hamper. You yeah, know what I mean? That's right. That's what I will say it that way. So you know, saying all this really it reveals a, a lot of things. But we know that because mankind has been in active rebellion towards God by our disobedience due to the love of our own sin. That mankind will truly never have world peace until the Lord Jesus Christ returns a second time to ultimately defeat his enemies and establish his reign and rule here on earth. Until that time, despite the fact that God has ordained governments, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Mm. 8% of the time of man's recorded history, we've had peace. Yeah. <laughs> we can expect probably more and increasing right. in, the, in the years to come. Yeah. So let's finish off our podcast here with the final division of peace. It is the peace of blessing. Mm. And Chad, we can just riff on this one a little bit, but the definition here is the wish expressed to others in a greeting for spiritual and physical prosperity, security, and safety, as seen in the expression, peace, friend, or shalom, right? Mm. Jesus said many times uh, to his disciples when he came back, Shalom, shalom, but peace be to you, right? Mm-hmm. My peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives to you. Your, my peace is yours and it's yours to keep, right? Yeah. It's, uh, he's not gonna take it away, right? Mm-hmm. It's not dependent upon how you treat him. Mm-hmm. If you are in Christ, you have his peace. And so why we say that to people or mm-hmm. wish that for, to, for people is because it reflects the nature of our Lord and Savior. Yeah, it reflects Christ and it also reflects the heart of humility Mm. because when you truly understand the lack of peace you had before a relationship with Christ, meaning deserving the full wrath of God, Mm. and then you receive this grace, this mercy of peace, this justification and reconciliation to our Heavenly Father through Christ, not by your own doing, but because of His goodness and His mercy and His grace, man, you understand just how much of a gift that truly is. Mm. And 
you reflect on your old self and the turmoil. And so when you see others who are without a relationship with God and the turmoil their life has, you want them to know the peace of God that you've been able to experience. Mm -hmm. Because it's not something that you earned. It's not because you were special. Mm -hmm. It's because God is good. And you want them to know a, a good God. And as well as you should have that same heart because Christ desires for the world to know him and we are ambassadors Amen. of christ so Amen. it's also it's a duty and a, and a delight all in the same vein it is well i think we should end the podcast with that particular scripture that you just referenced we'll look at second corinthians chapter 5 we will start with verse 17 and we're going to read it all the way through chapter 6 uh verse 1 actually we're going to we're going to read through chapter 6 uh and we'll end at verse 2 it says this Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listen to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you do not know Christ out there, we implore you as an ambassador to Christ, repent and be saved. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If you are in Christ, continue forward. Continue desiring holiness. Continue your fight against sin. Kill it. Cut it off at its root in the power of the Holy Spirit, with the weapons of righteousness, with the word of God, with prayer, uh, in all humility and in all love, the giving of oneself and one's resources for the glory of God. Do all those things and it will choke out the life of sin that remains in you. And like Paul said, not that he had already obtained us, but he presses on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Know this, believer, that you will never be perfect here in this world, but that should not deter you from your pursuit of holiness. Mm. Chad, any final comments before we finish? No, man, it's well said. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.